Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT, and this is episode 41. It's nice to have you for tonight or afternoon, morning, depending when you're listening to this podcast, episode 41 and what I want to cover. So this episode, it'll just be me and no interview. As a research scientist, I've always been amazed at the speed of which technology is developing, especially last 40 years. So think about Steve Jobs and his partner Wozniak as far as 1981. Maybe some of you weren't even born in 1981, but I remember when Early computers started to show up on the scene. You had the PET, Commodore, Radio Shack. And computers were very expensive back then. They didn't have, in the beginning, some of them did not have a monitor. Early ones that did come out with a monitor, they were black and white or like green and white monitor. And uh, basic language was the main program. They had cassettes, like a cassette tape, where you could record programs or data with a cassette tape reader. And they're pretty expensive. So as far as home use, not necessarily, unless you're you know, very wealthy or you work from home. But they were definitely out of the price range for 60, 70% of the population in the United States, for example, 1980-81. So you have the beginnings of Apple Computer, and then it really grew. So look how much it has changed since the 80s. Then you had the advent of the Internet partly developed by DARPA and CERN. And then the internet became available in the 90s. Then you had email. And it went from there. Computers have gotten very small now. Really, a smartphone is a handheld computer. Even the least expensive cell phone smartphone of today was leaps and bounds ahead of the computers of the 80s and 90s. So we really have a integrated high-tech computer with a color screen called a cell phone. Today, you wonder, well, what would life be like if we had no internet, no computers, no smartphones? I remember that. Some of you in the listening audience can remember that, what life was like prior to that. Many living today could not imagine a world without that type of technology. In fact, if that technology were not available, there would probably be crisis with the younger generation not knowing how to cope without 
that type of technology. But I wonder as technology improves, and if we go back, for example, 80s, 1980s to today, the premise usually was through marketing that technology would help improve our lives, maybe provide more freedoms, free up time where we could self-develop, spend time with the family. And we would have maybe more liberties. So technology was promised, the, the premise was that it would enhance our life and for all intents and purposes, give us more freedom. But just the opposite happened. When pagers first came out before the cell phone, they would beep and you, you would have commercial airline pilots and doctors that would have those and beep, 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 beep. And a telephone would flash on the little LED screen or maybe a phone number message and they would have to respond to that meant something was urgent and then they were costly when they first came out then you had email and before you had three to five days mail delivery so you had that lag time you would deposit a check there would be a lag time for the check to clear the bank paying a bill let's say utility bill end of the month you post-date the bill the 30th, utility company wouldn't get it to maybe the 5th or 6th following month. So you relied on that mail, snail mail, lag time. You would rely on checks. You'd write a check Friday, knowing it wouldn't clear the bank. You would have till Monday or Tuesday to deposit so the check didn't bounce. You get into email then mail, traditional snail mail, you lose that five days. An email, you're expected to respond that day or maybe hours within getting the email. Just like a pager would go off, you were expected to respond to that pager fairly quickly within an hour or two for sure. So instead of giving you more time, it actually sped things up because you lost lag time days in the banking and, and post office, and you lost hours of getting to an office and then a receptionist or secretary hands you messages of, phone calls you had that day, that, that's all gone. Now it's within minutes or hours you should respond. And then computers get less expensive by the end of the 80s and into the 90s to where you had at least 50% of the population who could probably afford a home computer. And then when laptops came out, a, a portable computer that you can carry, lightweight, 
because it had a built-in screen and it would fold, but you could carry it over your shoulder. It wasn't bulky and heavy like the original computers and home computers. Now you had the possibility that you could take work home. You could take the office work home during the week or weekends. So instead of having your evenings and weekends free, now you could be contacted by cell phone, voicemail, texting, emails, and a company-provided laptop to work at home. So it's ironic, 40-plus years, we have less freedoms. There's nowhere to hide. You can be contacted. It's easy for you to work overtime. Shoot, even if you're sick. Well, perhaps you can still work from home even though you're sick with the laptop and you're connected through the internet into the company's network and you work from home instead of being able to eat chicken soup and recover from your illness. So technology to me as a research scientist, each year, each decade that goes by, technologies are consuming the human and limiting all freedoms. We're at a point now there aren't any freedoms left. You're tracked everywhere you go, every search on the internet, every text message, every phone call is tracked and recorded. Cars have computers inside them now, GPS. You can't escape. There's nowhere to hide. There's no lag time. There's no freedom for self-development or family time. And it's not stopping. It's getting so invasive, they want internet of body. So they want hardware and software to be implemented in the human body. They want you to wear it. Or tattoo, a holographic tattoo, a wristband, or a implant, a chip of some sort on the body to where you are biologically permanently connected to the internet and technology 24 hours a day. Well, an interesting technology that they're developing as we speak is VLC, Visible Light Communication. And it's going to be incorporated, especially with the sixth generation telecommunication network. They're rolling out the 5G, fifth generation telecommunication network as we speak, and the 5G system incorporates beam-forming technology, beam-forming technology with millimeter wave frequencies, microwave frequencies between 30 and 300 gigahertz. That's about 10 to 100 times faster than the 4G cellular system that we've had for many years now. The beam-forming technology will promise to be able to have faster uploads. Now, 4G was very fast, but if 5G would be uh, uploading, say, video content, streaming, as, as if we need faster streaming upload on, on portable devices. But 
visible light communication is basically a wireless version of fiber optics. It uses flashes of light to transform information. We've known as, in our group as research scientists, light contains data. Now, fiber optics has been around for a while. Some understand uh, fiber optics, but they'll be able to transmit light through the telecommunication system with the 6G towers. And light, data, communication on light is how nature works. So we have electromagnetic energy coming from the sun. Part of that electromagnetic energy is the visible light spectrum, but you have the infrared prior to that, and then ultraviolet, A, B, and C, after the visible light spectrum. And light communication does work with human DNA, plant and animal. So human, plant, and animal DNA has been designed to be able to receive light, it has receptors, antennas, to receive light, including the data that's incorporated in the light. Some people might say, what data are you referring to? You're not taught this in atomic theory in regular universities. This is research I'm involved in, a, a few others. It is not discussed publicly. They don't want you to know that. But it's true. I'll just leave it at that. These podcasts are not to get into the specifics or divulge what I work so hard in a lab to discover. VLC is wanting to use the human body as a potential antenna. VLC also wants to incorporate energy that you and I have in our body, cells in our body, to leverage and capture that energy. VLC is very interesting. Instead of using radio signals to send information wirelessly, LEDs, light can be used, turning on and off at speeds of 1 million times per second. That's the flicker rate, a million times per second or more. Light and data being transmitted. The sun has a flicker rate much faster than that, but our DNA is tuned for that flicker rate. LED bulbs can transmit data. So anything that has a camera, say laptops, tablets, smartphones, can be a receiver. But when you have transmission, you have a high rate of leakage. There's energy leakage. So researchers have found that the human body can be used to prevent leakage and be an antenna as well as an energy source. The human body offers up to 10 times better amplifying than a copper coil. It can absorb radio frequency leakage. You can wear a copper coil bracelet, for example, and it can reach up to microwatts 
That's enough energy to support on-body health monitoring sensors that can be hooked up to the internet. It's a technology where they want to be able to harvest waste energy from all sorts of sources in order to power future technology, and you are the antenna. And you will be the power source. So the problem that I see in the purpose of this episode 41 is it really is a, a Borg, I think it was Star Trek, that had the, the, the Borg, the assimilation. The transhumanism has already started. There's nanotechnology, extremely small technology, where hundreds and hundreds of nanoparticulates technology would fit inside a red blood cell. I've used this illustration before, and I think it helps people to relate. What are we talking about when you hear nanometer? What does that mean? Well, a good way to illustrate it is if you, in the United States, I'm sure in Europe you have the, the we call it soccer, but your football fields, your, your arenas. But in the United States, the listening audience, if you picture an NFL, National Football League, an NFL stadium. So I don't know if it's Chicago Stadium, a Soldier Stadium, the San Diego Chargers or L.A., Rams, whatever, whatever, New York, Buffalo, pick your any t favorite team. If that stadium, the building, if the entire stadium, that building represented a red blood cell and you took three footballs, three leather footballs and put them on the 50 yard line, that would represent three nanometer technology. So how many three nanometer technology, how many footballs could you put inside that football stadium? And that football stadium represents a red blood cell. So you can see how they've got technology so small now, you could have hundreds of thousands of technology units. It's just, that's an interesting term. Technology units just inside a, a red blood cell. So we all have, whether we believe it or not or know it or not, I'm telling you as a research scientist, we all have millions upon millions of nanotechnology. It's been in us for many decades. You didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for it. But that's the reality. That's something that we'll have to deal with. They, these system engineers, who I feel do not have humanity's best interests at heart. They don't have your interest and my interests. We're not viewed as sovereign, independent human beings, man and woman at all. Or view it as property, but they want to merge machine and man, part man, part Silicon Valley. It's absolutely on its way. It's probably one third of their program is already completed, two thirds remaining. And they want to be able to harvest humans, use the, the energy with humans. Each cell has close to one volt. So we have mil a couple million volts in our body. It's just the, the way the human body's designed and cells are insulated. We don't shock the daylights out of people when we hug or shake hands. But the, the, the body's highly energetic. We get energy from food, from sunlight, energy in the air, ions, thunderstorms. So we are energetic beings. So if they can uh, integrate humans with their AI, or AIs, plural, artificial intelligence, 
and we have Silicon Valley nanotechnology inside us. They feel that they own us, and it's just horrifying, the world that they're creating, even at a point where they can control consciousness. They can control metabolisms, cells, organs. They can program how long you get to live, or even if you get to live at all. They, If you're important to the system engineers, you could have life extension technologies, med beds that you see in futuristic movies. If not, then maybe with a uh, click of a mouse, so to speak, you can be terminated remotely with no warning, and then your body recycled. So conferences, some are, you get glimpses of them on the internet. Uh, a lot of the conferences are private, and then they have small, literally small armies for security, and they have these Davos and Bilderberger type meetings in Europe and other places. But behind the scenes, they have meetings where they discuss already that they're godlike. They brag about it, where they can create life, as they say. And manipulate, change genetic code at will. There isn't any institution, there isn't any man-based institution as far as a military, an international police force, a judicial system, or government structure that polices this or stops the agenda, disciplines, pulls back the reins, investigates, moderates, or makes rules and guidelines for this group. They're beyond all laws. They're beyond all authority. They do as they please. So these are interesting times. Technology is advancing rapidly. It's very scary where it's headed. The problem is that the human consciousness globally is very low. I'll have another discussion about this. It, it's an interesting topic where that can be a, a show all to its own. But most people, maybe out of fear and concern or intellectual laziness, cowardness, choose to ignore what's really going on. And that won't solve anything. Ignoring what's going on and thinking your life will get back to normal or won't affect you is a fool's errand. Absolutely will affect you. And this, we're not talking a long time. We will, none of us listening to this broadcast, if I'm still around, I'm sure there's a target on my back because I have more than four brain cells that work and I'm vocal. But by 2030, we will not recognize planet Earth, society, or the reach of these system engineers. You know that's seven years from now? So to me, that's not a long time. So the fact that people are in denial and they watch television and they don't want to talk about this, they don't want to engage, there's billions, with a B, billions that have that attitude. That's why they will be successful. There'll be no resistance. 
Those that do resist will be terminated. Simple, plain and simple. It's a fractal pattern. It's happened thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years in human history. Those that resist, those that are vocal, will be terminated. So mankind will have this future. I'm not going to be part of it. It doesn't do much good. You can't, uh, I mean, maybe you can warn or educate people. So the handful that will resist will have a knowledge base. But what's interesting is long-term, what's going to happen to humanity? And is there anything that can stop this? My uh, belief system, speculation in conjunction with research and evidence, I personally think, yes, there is an ability to stop this, but it's not man-based. Now, what's interesting is when I have these discussions, that's where everyone drops off. There is zero interest in people wanting to know, what does that mean? You're talking non-human, or you're talking maybe a dimension besides ourselves? Is this something dealing with the spiritual consciousness or an other realm higher? Yes. No, I don't want to talk about it. They're not interested. Anything to do with spirituality or higher consciousness or a higher order, an organized order that might be beyond various dimensions, if you believe dimensions exist, that's a subject where people don't engage, which to me is also puzzling, kind of like an ostrich sticking their head in the sand and trying to ignore the problem. So we have a society now that does not want to engage in conversation. They don't want to be deep thinkers. They're intellectually, they're cowardice. They don't resist. And uh, it's sad. It's sad. Humanity, organic humans will hardly exist after 2030, seven years from now. I suspect the ones that are truly organic, it's either the, the system engineers, those in control, you know, of course they're going to be organic, but there'll be maybe rogue colonies, off-grid colonies, and they'll have to contend with Boston Dynamic bots and drones for their safety. It's, it's just going to be miserable. There'll probably be a handful of off-grid communities all throughout planet Earth that don't want to participate in this. But, you know, that's going to be a rough life. And then they won't have any security or privileges. Whether the global governance will hunt them down or leave them alone, we'll have to wait and see. But it's not uh, necessarily doom or gloom. I just want to let you know the speed at which, within seven years, they will have these light technologies that will be encoding your DNA. They'll be able to have your DNA create proteins in real time through the 6 and 7G system. I've mentioned very little bit about the 7G. It scares the bejeebies out of me. It's very technical. That's all probably going to be here seven to 10 years from now, where they can literally alter your genes remotely, and they can cause proteins to fold, fold according to data transmitted through 6 and 7G. That gets into some scary stuff. So in the meantime, well, I always recommend you get nature, get grounded, get out in nature as much as possible, tr- remain organic at all costs, exercise, get healthy, f- get spiritual tuned, whatever that looks like. I've got my ideas. I've been investigating this for a long time, but to, you know, it's not one size fits all. And that's personal. 
I've worked very hard to get where I am, and I have a belief system and a spiritual direction. It won't fit. It's not a fit for most of the listening audience, maybe a couple, but you don't want to discuss it because that's opening up a can of worms or a hornet's nest. It's just It just doesn't work well, not on podcasts and social media. Privately, maybe. That's why I like to have the retreats. I had the first retreat in October. It went very well. I'd love to have four a year, one each season, but it's small, 10 people, very intimate, small group. But the Technology, the information that's shared and historical, it is off the chart with these retreats. Just phenomenal. If you were to interview, I, I've interviewed some, but they're the ones that did went to the first retreat. It's literally life changing. It really is. So I'd love to do that. And, and if we're allowed to travel, I'd like to have one um, winter, spring. I'll leave it at that. The encouraging aspect is I think there is an answer, but it's not going to be from a human source. Look at a higher level. I encourage you to figure out what that is. What does that look like? If you want to use the term uh, spiritual solution or a higher consciousness, higher vibration, there's all these different terms. Source, identifying with source, Do I? whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. To me, that would be high priority. You know, I got rid of television back in 1992. One of top five, 10 decisions in my life by far. So you want to develop internally, get that internal voice and grow consciously. All of us have the physical plastic and leather down pat. We don't have to work for that. That's easy. Figure out the other part of being human, the abstract, the non-physical aspect of the human experience. That to me for many, many years has been number one priority. And I encourage the same to you. So I hope you enjoyed episode 41. A lot of interesting episodes coming up and more interviews as well. And I'll keep you posted. So till next time, take care.